Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading, to subscribing, and following. It's Justin Hahnemann and the ContenderCast, shining a light on bright ideas. I can't even wait for you to meet my guest today from Unite Foods. Uh, Clara Pay is on. She is the founder and CEO at Unite. We're talking protein bars and more. Clara, so great to have you on the podcast. Justin, so great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. I know. I'm excited you're here. Uh, I loved your background. You're super connected to the industry. Uh, and um, gosh, you've built a really a really cool brand. I, and we're going to dive into that in a couple minutes. But before we get there, how about share with our audience a little bit about you and what you were doing before launching Unite? Sure. Um, you know, funny enough, I'm connected now, uh, two and a half years <laughs> in. But you know, when I launched in March of 2020, I literally knew not one person in the food industry. Um, and so wow. it's, it's been a really fun journey to build um, a network. And this is a really special industry because, you know, pe- we share customers. So, you know, you, my customer might buy my bar and, and you're you know, better for you water and, you know, somebody else's cracker. And so we share and, and there's just a lot more welcoming in this space. No so I feel super um, blessed to be here. But before this, I worked in plumbing and hardware, which couldn't be any more different than <laughs> <Wow>. food. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hard time. Yeah. Super random. But it was my family business and I worked there for about 17 years before it paired I thought for Unite, which is very interesting in kind of like how this journey has unfolded. You wouldn't think that they were so connected, but sure. at the end of the day, um, that just, you know, we had 8,000 products and, and five distribution centers and a factory, you know, overseas. And if you can distribute 8,000 products, you can definitely distribute, you know, the six SKUs that we have right now. Right. <laughs> so it really so funny. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's great. Fun. Well, all right. So you decide. Okay. So how did you decide you're going to build a, a food business and why protein bars? Like, give us the backstory on that. So you know, like a lot of um, people um, or entrepreneurs that start, they, the products really emerge out of your own need, and like you're creating a product that literally doesn't exist for you. And there's no doubt about it that there are thousands of protein bars out there. So it's not like the product didn't exist. It was more of my experience using the product. So again, working at Easy Flow, super busy. I, you know, was always skipping lunch and just needed protein or something to fill my belly to get me through um, to my next meal. I just didn't have time to stop. So I really relied on protein bars to do that. Sure. But I never saw them as something that I loved or craved or wanted to eat. They're really just function. <laughs> and, right. you know, I had this like epiphany one day when, you know, it's kind of... I realized it didn't matter which brand I bought. They were all the same. They all had the same exact flavors and um, they were all like vanilla or chocolate or chocolate, chocolate, or, you know, vanilla, peanut butter, you know, they were just the same. All the brands made the same flavors. And I thought to myself, like, well, where is the fun and where is the flavor here? Because also another important part of my story is that I'm an immigrant and I came to the U.S. when I was five with my family. I saw that. Yeah. And so, you know, growing up in, you know, kind of, quote unquote, an ethnic household, there's always like a difference in flavors at home and and American flavors. And it just like hit me that like, you know, half the population from somewhere else like me. And where are the flavors to reflect those people? And I saw this really big opportunity in wellness. And bars just happened to be the, our first 
kind of foyer into it. And I feel, you know, and I use bars all the time in my personal life. And so I just sure. feel like, you know, what, you know, we can make some really fun flavors that are more inclusive. And so our mission is to build a wellness table, invite everybody to have a seat and really create global flavor for everybody. I love that. Yeah. Amazing flavors. Like not just chocolate, peanut butter or something like that. It's like churro, peanut butter and jelly, Mexican hot chocolate. I mean, there's a variety pack. There's amazing. Um, okay. But I'm getting a bit ahead of ourselves. So you decide you're going to launch a, pro- a company. You think you can do the protein bar thing better. Where did you begin? Like, did you begin with like mixing ingredients to make a yeah. bar? Did you, did you reach out to someone in the industry? Literally. Like, how did that start? <laughs> literally started went to the grocery store and bought all the ingredients that I thought which should be in a protein bar and you know they were I wanted to make a natural product so sure. you know I bought like almond butter and cinnamon and vanilla and hemp seeds and dates and just literally and then I would visit you know I live in in Orange County in Los Angeles suburb and so we have lots of ethnic grocery stores and ethnic markets and, and eateries and so I would just kind of go and like observe what like the, the flavors were like and and, um, you know, really churro was the one that I first made and it was the one that I was inspired to make the most because also my family lives really close to Disneyland and their churro oh, line nice. was always around the corner. <laughs> nice. And I was like, you know, churro would be like a really, um, a really like a nostalgic flavor for a lot of people, not just if you're ethnic sure. or from somewhere else, but like lots of people love the flavor of churro. And so I'll mix some vanilla and cinnamon and almond butter and almonds and, you know, and blended it up in my Cuisinart and just tested them on my friends and, and my family. <laughs> and, and that's literally it was the formula foundation. Oh my gosh. So, that's amazing. Yeah. So how long did it take? Okay, so you're mixing different things. How long did it take to come up with something that was kind of, you know, where you thought, okay, this is real, you know, this is something we could take and, and actually try to create into a, a product. Yeah. So I, you know, did the prototyping and like some of my friends and family and they, you know, had really, they were really supportive and thought that that was a really good idea. And then I, you know, I looked at the data and saw like demographic shifts in the U.S. population and what they were anticipated to be. And so I started to get more serious about it and found myself, you know, like a freelance food scientist who kind of made it more um, into the macros that I wanted it to be, which was, under, you know, my formula made it under 200 calories, you know, at least five grams of protein, under 10 grams of sugar, all the things that I cared about in, in sure. making a helpful product. And then from that, you know, I started to look for co-packers and, and, you know, I knew I didn't want to make it myself because I, you know, being in distribution and I knew that I wanted to have a part in exactly what they were doing. And I didn't want to reinvent this wheel, right? There were sure. great commands out there and I just needed, you know, to find one that would say yes. And, you know, um, our our co-man at the time, our first co-man was just like, uh, nobody's going to buy these flavors. <laughs> Seriously? Like, That's butter. what they said? Yeah. Oh, great. They, were, they were like, we're, okay, we'll make them for you. Right. And, and right. when you approach a manufacturer, you know, you a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize this, but you're asking them to invest them as well. They're in line time, right? A yes to right. you is a no to somebody else. Right. And so That's true, they have to kind of believe. They, yeah. Yeah. So it's a really a two-way street. And so nevertheless, you know, we made our first product and, you know, had this huge production run done because I wanted it to be like, you know, the highest rated facility possible and all these things. I had these grand plans of launching it at Expo West in March of 2020. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> so, That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's, you know, kind of like the leading natural products expo in, in, in no maybe the world, right. But definitely is, in the country. Yeah. And so it's just a huge show and it just happens to be in my backyard, right in Anaheim. And I live in Orange County. And so, you know, we're going to have these great booths made and we were building our booth and then obviously the whole world shut down. So, you know, definitely right. it's been an interesting two years. I would say. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But you've made it through. Uh, I understand you're already in some retail stores and whatnot. So we got to dive into that. So when did you finally have like product that was in a good package, saleable? Like when did you have, you know, something you could take out and show a buyer? Um, that was probably in, you know, we did our first production line was like January of 2020. And then we were going to launch in March of 2020 at Expo West officially. But yeah, it was just right around like shutdown time. It's exactly when Got we it. had our first product. Crazy. Um, I love the packaging. Very catchy. Um, how did you decide flavors? And, you know, did you, did you have others you wanted to do as well? But, or, or did you have fewer and you added more? Like, how did you think about that? I tested like every flavor I could think of on my friends. I literally, but you know, at the end I settled on uh churro because I knew that that would be like just a nostalgic treat. Mexican hot chocolate. I hadn't seen anything in Mexican hot chocolate flavor before. It's really cool. In yeah, retail. Neat, and so I, and, and I just loved the twist on regular chocolate, right? There's so many chocolate bars and chocolate is right. a really uh, important profile in bars. People like chocolate bars. So I knew that one would be a winner. And then peanut butter and jelly is the one that like is the head scratcher for most people. Like that's not ethnic. Why did you do a peanut butter and jelly? Right. But if it, you know, there's an homage to the stars and stripes on our packaging, you'll see that. And my American heritage is actually really important. And we want to include everybody. Right. Like nobody is to be left behind in our world. Right. Like we're unite. We're about all people. Hey, I agree, Clara. Um, Very cool. Okay. So, Let's see. You you make your way through product development. You find a co-packer that's willing to make it for you. It, did they help with packaging and all that? Or how did you figure out like size and number of SKUs and barcodes and whatnot? No, um, I knew how to do like some more of the, the packaging stuff, like the barcodes and things from just like my previous life. Um, but in terms of packaging, you know, I started um, interviewing branding agencies, right? Because I knew mm, that like the packaging is a really important part of um, consumer product right there it's literally no the p in consumer packaged goods right, right. so it's <laughs> packaged only, yeah <laughs> it's packaged and like i think a lot of people don't spend money on their packaging or they have like a freelancer do it like really inexpensively or you know they kind of take that shortcut because they know that they'll iterate but i think that that's a, a, an oversight i think that if you can invest in packaging and really build out a very thoughtful brand um branding design then you literally give yourself a shot that is equal equal to a big giant company that you might be competing on shelf because at the end of the day like a consumer walking by knows your package right or, or sure. checks out the packaging and so we invested no in that early on and and it really i wanted i knew exactly what i wanted so the packaging really came came together in like i would say just like a couple of hours of working with the, you know, the agencies that I had chosen. And we literally sat there and just like designed it together. And I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew what colors I wanted. I, you know, um, and then, you know, our agency had this like great idea of like hand carving the pattern. So every pattern is like hand carved on our, our, on cool. our products. And that just like makes it like look like art and it's handmade and it's just filled with so much love. So it was very thoughtful. 
That's very cool. Love that. Okay, um, so you test out some some <laughs> flavors on your friends. Um, you get some good feedback. You decide on the the couple that you went with here. Um, what was next? Did you sell e-commerce? Did you go out right to retail right away? How did you approach that? You know, kind of that that predicament. I'll say. Well, I had no choice because, like, the whole world shut down. <laughs> yeah, shut down. E-commerce was the way to go. Right. <laughs> right. So e-commerce was the only option, right? And right. E-commerce, and then you know, none of the buyers were taking meetings. Nobody was interested in um, right. in looking at new lines, and the bar category really suffered um, because people weren't on the go, so there weren't any eating occasions for people to use bars. Right? People were just eating their meals at home, and they weren't like relying on a cow. I was relying on it. Right. like a snack to get me through at my desk at work or, you know, at my kid's soccer game or what have you. And so, you know, we, we, we started focusing on e-commerce um, and just trying to network with people and got to meet um, Dwight Richmond. And he was at the fresh market at the time. And he really gave us our first opportunity to the pitch, loved the product and, you know, it just, it, it kind of snowballed one retailer at a time. And then, you know, I got into uh, a local grocery store here called Bristol Farms. And yep. that was like awesome. We got into this local program and the bar just did so well naturally. I mean, in the height of COVID, they gave us this great, um, great next to the cash register location. And we were, we sold so many bars and we got this wow. really great velocity story. That's and amazing. so we used that. Yeah. And then it, you know, later that year I got to pitch to Walmart and they said yes after that. So they became our first really large account. Wow. And so we launched at Walmart, believe it or not. And so wow. at that same time, we were winning a lot of um, earned media. So we won a Sophie award, which is a specialty food association. It's kind of like a Grammy award or an Emmy award for a uh, sure. food product, but we won it right up, you know, great first year for our Mexican hot chocolate flavor, which was like, just like such a huge affirmation of something that like, you know, I literally created in my kitchen could win this prestigious award its first year, which for a lot of food makers, it's hard. And the first formulas aren't usually the best ones. So it just was affirming. And so we were getting lots of really great media placements organically where the the press was picking us up, but like um, food and beverage magazine wrote a cover story on it. And we got a two page spread. Like, so things just snowballed really quickly after launch. Wow. So cool. Um, now, that that's all sounds great, but it's not easy to fulfill an order. It's it's easy to fulfill an order for like one store, but I mean, you're talking Walmart, like lots of stores and, yeah. and, and beyond, right? So how did you, you know, I'd say develop enough products slash get your distribution set up? I mean, that was probably a new space for you as well, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that was where my previous life experience really helped me and that I know what big box retailers care about. And so I had, you know, my big boxes in my previous life were like Home Depot and Lowe's, but I knew that like sure. being on time and being in full were the really most ah, important O-tip. things. So, Very nice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, that learning curve was a lot shorter for me because I knew logistics and I knew supply chain. And so I led myself with a really strong 3PL. And again, like I had worked with a tier one co-packer. So I knew that they had the capacity and the ability. And this was like their routine business with filling large orders. Sure. And so we were able to um, fill those orders and we've never ordered, not even once, you know, in two wow. years. So, you know, where everybody else had lots of supply chain issues, we were able to maintain a really strong supply chain because of um, our planning. Wow. 
Amazing. Um, and then as you rolled out, like, were you able to get feedback in terms of what's working, what wasn't? Did any of the flavors perform better than others? How did you look at, you know, performance of your product? Yeah, I mean, churro performs, which is like no surprise. That's the one I think that like, you know, was is very accessible to most people. But then Mexican hot chocolate and peanut butter jelly both perform well, just depending on the region of, of the um, of the of the country that they're in. But we did hear feedback that like, okay, the bars were a little bit too dense or too chewy. And so we did reformulate and relaunch um, the product and to make it lighter and crispier. And that's like, you know, kind of one of those early things where you got to launch a product and then you got to really listen. And you really have to have good mechanisms to listen um, to what your customers are saying and take them seriously and, and make the best possible product that you can. Well, awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's important, right? And now today, though, do you, you're obviously getting a lot of, you know, sell through with retailers. Do you have good connection with the end consumer or, or how do you stay connected to them in terms of their preferences and whatnot, besides just looking at what sells through the cash register? So we have a very open relationship with our consumers and actually we print on the packaging that, you know, they can contact me anytime to tell me about the flavors they want to make. And so a good number of consumers actually do reach out and talk to me about the bar, why they like it. And we get this great fan mail that really is like wind in my sails, right? Um, of course, you get like some, you know, grumpy people too, but like... <laughs> right, like of course. <laughs> But we really, you know, I pay attention to all of our reviews online. I pay attention to consumer sentiment in terms of just kind of like listening and seeing what's going on on social media. And um, really, you know, if you can deliver a great product at a, a good value, then consumers are usually um, apt to, to support you. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, wow. Um, as you've built the business, you've probably had to lean into other sort of support, like anyone in particular, not named, but like any specific role where you really had to lean into to get some help to get this thing launched? Um, not to get things launched, but like really to, like for me, I'm definitely the visionary entrepreneur, right? Like I'm the one that like, it's sure. like, okay, this is the hill we're going to climb and this is how we're going to do it. And we're going to find the right people. And what I've always done in my entire career is just like surround myself with really smart people, smarter than me for sure. And one of those people is like our CFO. And she is really like a godsend because she is my foil, right? Like I am very right. optimistic <laughs> and she's more realistic. And so, you know, having that banker on my shoulder to like keep me in, in check, so to speak, um, sure. without dampening my kind of my spirit. But, um, you know, so she's just a perfect foil to me and who I am. That's awesome. That's great. I always love to ask that. Just, you never know who people lean into and where they really need the most help. Um, we have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs uh, and leaders of, of new brands that are growing. I always love to offer them advice. And I'm sure you've you've experienced some things that have gone great and others that haven't. But as you think about advice uh, for the our listening audience, what would be two or three things you would offer to them as they think about launching or building their brand? I would say be decisive right? Make a decision because I think a lot of entrepreneurs get lost in decision-making, right? Like what should I do? Should I pick A or B package? At some point you just have to be decisive, do your research, do your planning, but choose a path and move forward because you can always pivot that path, right? I think that's where people get in trouble is if they um, they keep flip-flopping on what they want to do. They're not confident in their decisions, and the second thing is like what we already talked about, surround yourself with really smart people um, to help hold you accountable, help, you know, give you that diversity of thought, you know, not don't just surround sure. yourself with a bunch of salespeople or vice versa, but you want that diversity of input. 
Um, and then the third is a really important thing that I've seen a lot on social media right now is really this idea of self-care. Like don't, don't build your business at the expense of your personal sanity and health and wellness. Oh, so invest in yourself. Um, oh, like for me, that's, that's like, you know, playing tennis is like a big part of me. Right. So I make time to play tennis and I even play on a team and I play competitively because I know that like that brings me joy, it brings me fitness. It brings me like a social life of, you know, hanging out with my friends and my team. And that's an important part, but also like, I'm not afraid to like, you know, go to therapy if I need it. Or, you know, if I'm right. really struggling with something, re reaching out to my friends or reaching out to a cohort of other entrepreneurs and surrounding myself with like, you know, people who are also on the same path as me is also really important. Wow. I love that. Clara, so cool. Um, you're still early days. Um, as you think about the next six to 12 months, what are you thinking? New flavors, more retail stores? How are you thinking about like expansion and growth? Yeah, we're definitely launching these flavors. Um, those will be launched probably at Expo West next year. And then um, also expansion, both in traditional um, supermarkets, also in other areas like convenience stores and other channels, food service mm. channels. So we have a lot of opportunities and it's up to me to, you know, as the entrepreneur to really figure out the right path for our brand and really to accomplish our mission, which is to bring wellness into more people's lives, to bring that diversity to wellness. No doubt. Wow. Um, very cool. Love having you on. Love your story. Love where you're headed. We've got to come back on. I know Thanks, there's Beth. a lot of growth in front of you. Um, Claire, share with our audience where we go, where they can find you, connect with you, buy product, etc. Sure. You can buy our product at Walmart, Sprouts, Meyer, the Fresh Market, um, Amazon, and, you know, lots of other independent retailers. If you just go on our store locator, you'll find one near you. Um, just about everywhere, basically. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I mean, well, yeah, we, we, really, we have you, good national distribution. You do. I mean, but there, and there's room for growth, right? I mean, that's what's really cool about it. Um, this is so cool. Hey, Clara, so, thanks so much for being here with us today. Um, you got to come back on and really appreciate you making the time. Will do, Justin. Thanks so much. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.